Well, good morning, church. Good to be with you this morning. Hey, before we uh, totally get going here this morning, uh, would you thank a couple of people? Would you thank, first of all, Jed for like doing communion meditation for about 18 years in a row? Uh, that He's done a great job. And uh, our tech and our musicians who have been willing to come in extra and um, do the things they do to make sure that we're up and running online or running here and, and run online and uh, running cables and, and making connections and plugging things in and unplugging other things and all that stuff that I don't know how to do. Uh, would you just join me in giving them a thank you? So thank you. Thank you all of you for, uh, for doing those things. That, that's tremendous. If you're anything like my family, we enjoy animated movies. Um, we enjoy movies in general, but animated movies right now uh, are kind of our jam. And, and in particular, we kind of enjoy the Pixar movies um, because the, the stories are just tremendous. And I know one of the, the Pixar movies that we enjoy the most is this Pixar movie called The Incredibles. Now, the whole idea behind Incredibles is that there is this family of, well, they have superpowers. There's this whole family and they all have superpowers. Uh, the problem is that they have been forced into hiding and so they have to act like they're just this run-of-the-mill, normal family. I told first service, I said, hey, just so that you all know, we're a super family, you just don't know it. And I'm going to keep you guessing. So next time you see JoLynn in the hallway, you can just call her Elastigirl, okay? So in this movie, you have Mr. Incredible, who is kind of having a hard time turning off his superpower. He wants to be super. He wants to use his superpower, which if you had a superpower, I think we could probably all understand that. But he ends up kind of being drawn in by an evil henchman to try and use his superpower. And toward the end of the movie, he's all caught up. He's, he's kind of in chains. Elastigirl, his wife, comes to, to help save him. And he begins this monologue. And in this monologue of, of things that he's done wrong and he wishes that he could have told her, he says, I just wasn't strong enough. I wasn't strong enough. Here's the guy. I mean, he is the strongest of all of them, and yet he says, I wasn't strong enough. And what we get from that is that, that really, he wasn't strong enough without the rest of his family. He needed all the rest of the supers to be super too. This morning, I want you to hear that you're not strong enough by yourself. As gifted as you are, as skilled as you are, uh, all the wonderful things that God has given you to do, I need you to know uh, that all of the wonderful things that God has given to you uh, for the things that He's given you to do, you're not strong enough by yourself. In fact, you need a community. 
This morning, as we end this Holy Habit series, uh, we're going to talk about this routine, this pattern of being involved in gathering as community, of being together in the same space at the same time uh, so that we can devote ourselves to the Lord. That we actually need community if we're to become who God has made us to be. We desperately need community. The the fact of the matter is, we're not strong enough on our own. And so this morning, we we look at the church, uh, the gathering of this community. Uh, We look at enjoying each other in a pattern of gathering regularly. And we just ask the question, well, how is it uh, that God takes diversity and makes it unity? How is it that He takes so many different parts and pieces and makes it one? How is it that God engages us in being community for one another? How is it that God does that? And so that we can answer those questions, we're going to go to a time early on in the church where there's preaching and people are responding and people are being given the Holy Spirit and we notice something about community. They make community this pattern, this this flow of of consistency that happens regularly and in a routine. It's a habit for them to gather together and to be community because it seems like they understand that they're simply not strong enough on their own. So as we open up God's Word, uh, we look at the simple practices of God's community as the church is being birthed. And we look at that and we, we say to ourselves, hey, uh, what is it about that that I can do, uh, that I can be a pat- make a pattern in my own life to be a part of a community, to be part of a gathering? We look and we, we look to emulate God's activity. you pick up a Bible, if you have one, wonderful, whether it's on your phone or if you have a physical Bible, I just want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. If you need a Bible, you can grab one uh, in the pew back in front of you. Acts chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. Acts, and we're going to be in chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, God has made a a habit uh, out of creating community out of diversity. Uh, God regularly takes people who are uh, very different, uh, who have different backgrounds, who have uh, different languages even, and bringing them uh, under the same title uh, into a gathering around Christ. If you get into Acts chapter 2, you'll see what I mean. Look at verse 5. They were staying in Jerusalem, it says, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. That seems like a lot of nations. God's bringing people from a very variety of backgrounds, different people, different situations, and bringing them all together into community, into a fellowship around Christ. Look at verse 8. 
then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? You see, God is uh, preaching, and, and, and through this preaching that, that Peter is doing, that God is inspiring, uh, people begin to hear it in their own language. They're wondering, how is this happening? But I want you to notice where these folks are all from. Look at verse 9. The Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, uh, Potamia, excuse me, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Oh, it goes on. Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? And we recognize that God is a master of bringing people who are not alike to a, to a community to belong under Christ. Although we're, we're diverse. Although we're different. We come and we worship one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. I mean, hey, look around the room for a minute. Are we different? Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're different. Some of us are men and some of us are women. Let's start there. Some of us are older. Some of us are not as older. Some of us, some of us have hair. Some of us don't have hair. Some of us have glasses. Some of us don't. Some of us really love wearing shorts any chance we get. Some of us don't. Some of us would love to wear sandals every day all year long. Some of us are like, sandals are dumb. Now, uh, we have other differences, don't we? We have differences of how we were raised. We have different backgrounds. We raise our children differently. Is it possible that some of us in this room would vote differently? That maybe some of us would vote for a Republican and others for a Democrat? Is it possible uh, that some of us even have differences of opinion in regards to our worship style or our music that we like? Uh, maybe some of us love the 80s. And some of us are thinking, is that music? Some of us will root for teams like Hawkeyes and Cyclones. And other of us prefer more holy teams like the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I just I had to I had to slip that in there. But you understand what I mean. God in all of his greatness, this universal savior that we have, has taken us as different as we are, as different backgrounds that we come from. Uh, he's given us uh, a tremendous diversity and yet somehow, uh, some way, uh, God has chosen to take all of that and to bring it under one community. Say, hey, I want you to belong to this community. I want you to have fellowship. I want you to enjoy these gatherings. So what are some of the simple practices that these gatherings, these, this community goes about? How, does, how do people begin to belong to this community? How is it that you and I become people who habitually desire to be a part and belong to a gathering like this one? Well, the Bible gives us an answer. The early church had a habit of coming together. And as they practiced this good fellowship, they had some simple practices that they would go about doing. 
They would read God's Word. They would pray. They would break bread. And they would gather around a common vision. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Some simple practices that all of us, uh, when we gather in community, find ourselves doing. These are good things. Part of what it means to belong to this community is that we come and we do these things. We do these simple practices. Did you hear what it said in the text? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, uh, they come around and they collide with God's Word regularly. Now when it's talking about the apostles' teaching in this context, the apostles' teaching, well, uh, the Bible was not always written like you and I have it. It wasn't always printed just like this. In fact, early on in the early stages of the church, it was likely that they didn't have anything written down at all. You see, before the Bible came to be written the way it is, God saw to it that it was orally transmitted. Now, that's different for you and I in this culture, but in their culture, oftentimes stories and legacy and memories and remembrance happened in an oral form. They would just tell the story. They would talk about significant items that they needed to pass down from one generation to the next. Uh, scholars call this the oral tradition. And so when it talks about uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, it's likely meaning uh, that they were gathering together. Uh, they had easy access to those that had been with Jesus, those that had seen the resurrected Savior, and they were passing along from one generation to the next a teaching about who Jesus was and all that He came to do. Now for you and I, it's a little different, isn't it? For you and I, we don't have easy access to those guys and gals who had seen the resurrected Savior. We didn't get that. But what God did leave for us is eventually those same people, those apostles would begin to write 20, 30, 40, even 50, 60 years later. They would begin to write through the Scriptures and write it down. And so uh, we've made that a part of this community when we belong and have fellowship in this community, we open up the Word together. And why do we do that? We do it because we recognize that the Word sharpens us in a way that maybe nothing else can. And when we gather in community, we open up the Word together and we discuss it and we talk about it so that we might go and live it a little bit better. It was part of that original community. If you're going to be a part of this wonderful community, you ought to get into the habit of recognizing the place of God's Word in it. But that wasn't the only thing. There's other simple practices that they did. It says that they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the breaking of bread. Now, oftentimes, when we talk about the breaking of bread in, in the book of Acts, we often think of that thing that we just did just a few moments ago. We think of communion. Some of you might call it the Lord's Supper. Others of you, uh, maybe you grew up with it as the Eucharist. Eucharisto just means thanksgiving. It's the thanksgiving meal uh, where we say, thank you God. And we live in gratitude to God because He was willing to die for us. All of those things. 
And throughout Acts, oftentimes when we see the breaking of bread, yes, it's in, it's in reference to that meal that we share together every week. Where we come together and we, we take bread and we take cup and we say, Jesus' body was broken for me. His blood was shed for me. Jesus died so that I might be cleansed from sin. So that I might stand before God clean one day. And we can say, just like Jed, hey, Lord, I'm going to confess to You who I am in hopes that You will make me who You want me to be. Yes, Lord. And so we break bread together. But the, the reference here is a little bit ambiguous. I'm going to suggest to you that not only... May it refer to the breaking of bread in, in the sense of communion of, of bread and cup. But I think it's just a matter of saying they got together, they fellowshiped together around a table. In verse 46, it, it kind of brings this to light. Look at what it says every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Uh, scholars have said in research of, of the early Christians that they would often have what's called love feasts. It's really uh, where they would gather together as a community uh, outside of what you would consider the church service. And they would gather together uh, really to get to know one another, to enjoy the fellowship together, to sharpen each other in the Lord, to express their love and gratitude for God and for one another around a table. And don't we do that? Don't we do that as, as Christians, as a fellowship, as a community? Don't we regularly try and have a meal together uh, to enjoy one another around a table? I've enjoyed many table fellowships with many, many of you. In, in fact, sometimes when we come over, it's almost like, oh, oh, the preacher's coming over, so we have to get out like the fine china. You know, some of you are like, we have to make this formal, the preacher's coming over. And so, like, we get stuff that, I mean, I'll hear comments, like when we're there, uh, I'll hear comments from, from one spouse or another, boy, I sure wish you would do this when I was around, you know. And we get the finest treatment, and it's wonderful, and we love it. Other times, we'll come over to your house and, uh, you know, it's a matter of, of sticking a hot dog on a stick and putting it in the fire, and there's no fine china. No, there's some potato salad in a jug, and, and, and there's some, uh, you know, there's some uh, Dixie, Dixie plates, and you better grab two, otherwise the, the potato salad is going to fall right through. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm here to tell you that whether it's on fine china or whether, whether it's on chinette or Dixie plates... God honors that fellowship. That we have an opportunity to gather around a table. And we can get to know each other. And there's a relationship that's grown. And we, and we come to the realization that there's a pattern that we get to do this and we belong to one another. And having belonged to one another, now uh, we can be vulnerable with each other. There's accountability with one another. And we find ourselves in community living for one purpose. The early church gathered in community. They made a habitual uh, effort to make a pattern in their life to say, uh, we're going to get together around the table. There was the apostles' teaching. There was the breaking of bread. And there was prayer. 
A couple weeks ago, we, we had an opportunity to walk through uh, this wonderful habit of prayer. But the thing I need you to see in, in reference to community is that if we are going to pray together, I have to get to know you. And you have to get to know me. You have to get to know one another. You see, prayer, as we've talked about, isn't just between me and God. It's, it's about you and I. It's about you and other people in this community, in this fellowship, gathering together to say, God, I want to come on behalf of this person. I want to talk to you about them. I want, I want to lift them up before you. And the only way we make that happen in community is if we actually engage with one another enough so that we can get to know what actually needs prayed for. The early church did this. They gathered in a simple practice of community. And it was the apostles' teaching. It was the breaking of bread. And it was the prayer. And there's something that brings all of this together. There's something that brings this community around Christ. There's this something that really is larger than the community itself that brings all of these simple practices in line with one another. Look at verse 44 with me. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. It's there in verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Uh, this isn't just simply a reference about geographical area. Uh, this isn't talking about that all the time they were just hanging out with each other, uh, kind of staring at each other. That's not what it's talking about. What's being talked about here is the fact that they had a vision and a mission that was larger than any single individual in the entire group. Uh, Jesus had just given the, the, the apostles, uh, given the disciples that He had walked with some instructions about what to do moving forward. They were to go out and make disciples. And, and lo and behold, they're coming together as a community uh, to talk about Jesus. Over the last two years, we've talked again and again and again why we exist as a church. Why we exist as a community. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. Uh, you know what? That mission, that vision is larger than any single person in the community. And so God has, has orchestrated this community uh, so that we would belong to one another and engage each other in relationship so that we might help other people find and follow Jesus. And all of you have an opportunity to contribute to that. You see, this is where the diversity comes in handy, doesn't it? Because some of you have gifts that other of you, others of you do not. Now, some of you are really technological. And you have an opportunity, and I've seen it, uh, you help those who are less technological. And some of you are older and more mature in your faith and as you're older and more mature in your faith, I've seen you. I have seen you take other people who are less mature in their faith, who are just getting started, and you have wrapped your arms around them, and you have begun to lead them in a way that perhaps only you could. And some of you have mechanical giftedness. 
And you have used that for the, the benefit of the community. You've said, you know what? I know how to do that. I can contribute to this life and this fellowship and this gathering. And for all of us, uh, God's desire for us is that we would come and belong to a community and a fellowship and enjoy this gathering and make it a regular habit in our life so that we might spur one another on to love and good deeds. That's what God created the church for. And so as we end this series... As we end this talk about holy habits that, that we would develop an inward maturity, an inward drive to be more like Jesus tomorrow than today, you need to know that you're not strong enough to do it by yourself. That it's going to happen in community. It's going to happen in fellowships like this where you come and give yourself to the mission of Jesus. Let me pray with you. Gracious God, we love you and we thank you. We pray, Lord God, that you will guide and lead and direct. Lord, we desperately need you. And so, Lord, I pray uh, today that you'll uh, make us into this community. Help us to belong to this community. Help us to make a habit in our daily lives uh, just to reach out and be be looking for opportunities uh, to be the community that You desire us to be. Lord, help us to do the simple things so that we can demonstrate what it's like to be Your church. We love You. And we pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.